Hello, 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 hello. Is it good? Can you hear me? Excellent. It's so good to be here again and have the privilege of sharing the word with you um, again. Good to see you all. So let's hope um, we're going to have a good, a good time, a good morning together. Uh, so as John said, we're going through the Acts 242 um, series. The, the idea was to just to go back there and see what the early church was doing and try to you know, go back to the basics, learn from it, and move forward. So if you all open your... Well, let's, let's start... Remem- um, oh, this one here. Um, defining the word devoted. I think John did it last week, but let's, let's just do it again. Devoted means extremely loving, loyal, passionate about something. So the idea of this series is, is that we think about <clears throat> these four things in Acts that we're just going to read in a, in a few minutes... And, and think, why do we need to be passionate about those things? And why do we need to be extremely loving and loyal to those things? So hopefully, uh, we're going to <clears throat> do that. Let's open your Bibles. If you've got a Bible there in front of you. Uh, we're going to be jumping up and down in the Bible today, so be ready. I'm going to be asking you to go from one place to another. That's part of the learning process as well. So be ready for that. If you open your Bibles on page 1094, that's the, the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 42, just for us to remember um, what this series are all about. Uh, so chapter 2, verse 42, and it says like that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship to breaking the bread, and to prayer. John uh, was talking last, uh, John Hosey was talking last week about the apostles' teaching and why we should be devoted to it. This week we're going to be uh, looking at the bread and the wine, and hopefully we're going to learn a few things and uh, find out why do we need to be devoted to this practice. So to help me uh, doing that, we're going to go to the book, the book of Corinthians. If you go to your page 1152, we're going to be reading in the chapter, chapter 11, 1152. We're going to read from verse 23 to the end of the chapter. Mm. Sorry, did I say 1152, yeah? Right, and it says like that. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body of blood of Christ, of the Lord, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. 
For those who eat, drink, who eat and drink <clears throat> without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment of themselves. That is why many among you are weak, ill, a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further, further instructions. Okay, let's just, let's just pray. Lord, thank you very much because uh, you are always good. Thank you because we are going to hear from your word. Just um, open our hearts, open our spiritual ears as well so we can receive everything you have for us this morning. Amen. Okay, so let's start asking two questions and answering them as well. So who is the Lord, the Lord Supper for? Who is the Lord Supper for? Well, is, this is for, for the church, for all of us that have said yes to Jesus, that have accepted Jesus as, as a Savior, and uh, we have, you know, for all of those that have put his, their hope in Jesus Christ. So that is the Lord, that, that is, yeah, who, for who is intended the Lord Supper. If you this morning, are, you, you know, you haven't, said yes to Jesus, and uh, you're still exploring, you're still asking questions, and you are, you, know, you are here trying to find out what the church life is all about, I pray that you would have an encounter with God this morning, and you're going to come here and say yes to Him. But please, at the end of the, the preach, do not feel any pressure to come to the table. Um, as I said to you, this is a practice for the ones that had already said yes to Jesus. So that's the first question. And the second one is, is this literally, we were reading that as the body and the blood, but is this literally the flesh and the blood of Jesus? No, it's not. So why are you saying, Carlos, that this is just common bread and common wine and nothing else? Well, it's not that either. And just let me put it to you in this way. Can we have the music, please? Now, just imagine this. It's a field full of flowers, millions of them. And there is a couple walking, holding hands, not looking anything, but just treading on the flowers. They're beautiful, but treading on them. Suddenly they stop. The guy grabbed one of the flowers and see the girl in the eyes and said, I love you. You think that girl, you think that girl is going to put the flower and the floor, tread on them and just keep walking as she was doing it? You think so? No! That flower is not the same as the other million flowers. Okay, she's going to come and she's going to put that flower in a book and she's going to keep it there for the rest of their lives. You can keep, you, you can keep the flower there. Why? Because that flower is not the same anymore. That flower represents the, the, this guy's love. For, for this girl, even if it's a million there, these flowers are special. So it's the same thing for this. This is not just bread. This is not just wine. It has a spirit, huge spiritual implications, and it represents something 
absolutely awesome, which is the blood and the, and the, bre- and the body of Christ. Okay, so every time you think about this, think about those two guys. Okay, it's a representation, it's a symbol of something really, really special. Um, so uh, this morning, I would like to share with you five things uh, fairly quickly, not, well, not fairly quickly, but five things that we, we should uh, use um, to every time we come to the table. Five things that could help us to remember what this is all about. Five things uh, that, that we can see through the wine and the bread. The first one is communicating this meal, the bread and the wine, is communicating the gospel. The bread and the wine are reminding us about the sacrifice of Jesus. When we participate of the bread and the wine, we are announcing that Christ, that, you know, announcing the death of Christ. His, his body was broken, and his, in his hands and his feet, there were nails broken, all the bones and spears through the ribs, and all the, all the ribs broken and all of that. In the same way, when we come to the table and we do this, you know, Jesus' body was broken in that way as well. So this meal is a reminder of that. The blood represents Jesus' uh, blood. Sorry, the wine represents Jesus' blood that was shed on that cross until the last drop for you and for me. So it's a special symbol about uh, body and blood. Jesus have, could, could have given us some other symbols, I guess. He could have said, um, you know, grab a beehive and break it and say, uh, here, a little bit of honey for you. This is a reminder of how sweet my love is it. Or he could have taken a candle, a lamp, and said, take this, and this is a reminder, you know, of uh, um, that I'm the light that shines in your heart. But he didn't do that. It was all planned. He gave us the bread. He gave us the wine because it's, core, it's part of the core message of the gospel. Jesus came to earth. He died for us. He took our sins away. And obviously, he came back to life. But, you know, the bread and the wine symbolizes that sacrifice that Jesus uh, made for us. So it's a reminder, in first place, a reminder for, for us Christians. If we read verse 24 and 25, again, uh, it says like that. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. In remembrance of me. It says every time, every time you do this so you can remember. Because he knows that we forget things. John was saying that last weekend. We forget things. You can remember my sacrifice every time you do this. Verse 26 says, um, oh, this is little. For when every... For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we do this, we announce and proclaim Jesus' death. So in first place, this is a reminder for us Christians. Uh, This is a, a reminder for the world as well. Okay, That's why we don't do this 
hidden. We don't do this in a very tiny room so no one can see. We, di- we do this in a public space just like this one. Okay, so everybody can see what we're doing and everybody can hear the good news. Okay, and hopefully the world is going to come to know Jesus as well. That night, you know, when Jesus was doing this and when he was sitting with the disciples, uh, breaking the, the bread and the wine, that night the Jews were celebrating the Passover. The Passover, they, they were celebrating the fact that they, could, they, they escaped from Egypt. And, and they usually, you know, had a sacrifice, a lamb, and they usually used, they used to have that um, as, as a meal. But that very night, Jesus was going to be arrested and seized as well. And he was there doing this with, uh, with the disciples, and he knew about all of this. So Jesus, actually, that what was representing what he was doing is just a reminder that he was the true lamb, the lamb of God, that the one that came to die for you and for me and shed his blood on the cross. But now no more lambs are needed. Jesus is the ultimate lamb. No more Passover, no more sacrifices. Now we have the bread and the wine to remind us Jesus is about Jesus' death and the ultimate sacrifice. So communicating the gospel, that is, this is what we, the bread and wine doing. Number two, is, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's good to remember that we, are, we were guilty as well. This meal reminded us that it was our sin that broke Jesus' body. And it was because of our sin that his blood was shed on the cross. Um, I don't know if you noticed this or you ever thought about this, probably not, but uh, uh, when you go to the table, no one is there breaking the, the, the bread and giving you a little piece in your mouth and putting your, your cup in your mouth. No one, no one, no one is doing that. You, you come to the table and you do it yourself. You break exactly in the same way you know, that our sin actually broke Jesus' body. So this is a reminder that we are or we were guilt as well. If you go to your Bibles in page 741, let's read the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 4 and 6. Sometimes we found it easy just to think that it was all the Jews that were shouting that, that day to, oh yeah, crucify him, crucify him. Or the Roman's hand that put all the nails in his hands and feet. Sometimes it's, you know, we think it was, it was them but it, it, it was us as well. It was our sin putting Jesus on that cross. So he says, Isaiah says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us all. So our transgressions, our iniquities. In Peter, 1 Peter 3, 18, uh, page 1219, if you want to check that I am, uh, is in the Bible, says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, he being the righteous, us being the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but may alive in the spirit. 
So when we participate of it, when we come to the table, remember, it's, it's communicating the gospel. When we come to the table, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's good to think and good to remember that it was for our sin that Jesus died on that cross. Number three, we are, I've been practicing this word all week, <laughs> and I'm still getting nervous. <laughs> Beneficiaries. Oh, beneficiaries. I did it on purpose. <laughs> beneficiaries. We are beneficiaries. Beneficiaries of what? Okay, this meal reminded us that we have been reconciled with the Father. It is true that we were guilty. It is true that it was our sin. It's good to think about that, but it's immediately after you just break this thing and you think, oh yeah, I was guilty. It's good to remember that we are beneficiaries of that dead as well. Um, this death was for your good, it was for my good, it was for your joy, it was for my joy, it was for your blessing, it was for my blessing, we are beneficiaries. And thanks to his death and sacrifice, we are reconciled with the Father. Adam and Eve, you know, they did something that they shouldn't have done, they ate from something that they shouldn't have eaten, and uh, they, they sinned. They were expelled from the Garden of Eden, and uh, that relationship, that friendship, that closeness, that intimacy that the humanity had with God was broken. And somehow, somehow that relationship, that unity, that intimacy needed to be restored. So through Jesus' death, we again have access to the Father, and we are received and welcomed before the Father. You know, in, in Jesus' time, I don't know how you call it, but the, the, that culture, it, um, it, but Jesus' time, an invitation to a meal was um, like um, a friendship, if a friendship was being offered. Uh, an invitation of a meal was like if a relationship was being offered. Intimacy was being offered. That's why he was inviting all these, like, Zacchaeus and all, all these guys no one wanted to, to have dinners with because it was, it was more than a meal. It was an invitation for a friendship. So if you go to page 1236, that's the book of Revelations, is at the very end of the Bible. 1236, we're talking about bene benefits, yeah? 1236, um, Chapter 3, verse 20, and it says like that. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens this door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. Come in. Come in and eat. And eat. Okay? It's an invitation. It's an invitation to reconciliation. Jesus offered to accept and renew intimate fellowship with those who repent. This is all in preparation for a final banquet, something even bigger that we're going to mention later on. When we participate of this, the bread and the wine, we are anticipating heaven. We are anticipating heaven. We are eating with the Lord. We are sitting in the table with Him. I know we're not there yet, but this, just think about this as, as the waiting room for, for heaven. If we go to Revelation 19, verses 9, Page 1248 says, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. 
And he added, these are the true words of God. So this meal reminds us that there is a big banquet waiting for us. Not just a simple supper, not just a simple dinner, a big wedding, a big party. This is a special moment when we come to the table just remember this, because sometimes we just get used to doing this every Sunday, and we don't think about it. But this is a special moment, a moment of closeness with God, and, re- and, and a reminder that there's something, something bigger and more beautiful coming. Okay? So this is an invitation to reconciliation of God. I'm actually focusing on reconciliation because I think it's, you know, it's, it's really important that, that we... we um, or oh, I highlight that bit, the, the fact that we are reconciled with the Father. But there is more benefits from, uh, you know, through Jesus' death. For example, peace with God, joy in Christ, hope for the future, freedom from fear. If you're afraid of something, there's freedom from fear when, and Jesus. Security, guidance, healing. So when we come to the table, think about all of that. Victory and temptation. In 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God, all the promises of God, find the yes in Him. Him being Jesus. So this is a special moment when we come to the table. We, 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 we come here and we think, Gosh, Lord, your sacrifice was amazing. It's so amazing that I actually can benefit of all of this. I'm ill. Can I have a little bit of your healing power? I'm afraid. Can I have a little bit of your you know, power in me so I'm free from fear? All the promises of God, all the promises, find that yes in Jesus. Number four. Did I say 2027? 20, oh, <laughs> I didn't want to show that. Just that. Just that. <laughs> this meal reminded us that we are dependent on Jesus Christ. You know, this, this bread and with this bread and with this wine, we can actually satisfy our physical hunger, okay? Uh, physical, we get physical nourishment and sustainment. But I said to you, this is more than just bread. This is more than just wine. When we come to the table, we recognize and we can remember that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the eternal bread, and it's good for a spiritual nourishment and sustainment. We cannot live without him. Verse 26 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, Lord, until, you know, how, how, for how long do I need to do this? Do we, we're doing it every Sunday, but for how long? What if I live 10 years until he comes? What if I live 20, 50, 80 Years on this earth until he comes. We need to keep doing this again and again and again. And now I'm going to show you the photo. <laughs> it's a different thing to, you know, to, 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 to participate from, uh, from something once to do it continuously. We went to see a Star Wars movie, um, and uh, it, was a, it was a 4D film, and we needed those those glasses to be able to see all the effects, okay? We needed those glasses for that one occasion. But after the movie was, was finished, we put the glasses back in the, in the bucket and we forgot about it, okay? Because we didn't need that. So it's a different things to when you, when you have something that you need just once, but, or when you use something that you need every day of life, like, like glasses or, or some, something else. So Jesus gave us this, 
Okay, this practice, this symbol, this ordinance, not to be taken just once, but to do it continually, to depend on it. It's a stimulus. It's a continuous reminder about what Christian life is all about, that a reminder that our dependency on Christ is a reminder that Christ is strong and we are weak, a reminder that He's the one that provides you know, all the sustenance and we are the ones needing it, a reminder that He's big and we are small, that He's indestructible and we are fragile, that we, you know, sometimes we believe that we are strong. Too strong in our own strength, but this is a reminder that is in Him that we find the strength we need. Let's go to page 1071 in the book of John. Next Sunday, I'm going to ask some of you, you know, look for John in the Bible. Look for Corinthians and see if you can actually find them. Page 1071, John 6, verse 63. We're talking about you know, being dependent on Jesus. Jesus said to them, you got it? It says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. So this is a reminder that we ought to eat the body and drink the, the blood of Christ. When we come to the table, we, you know, uh, we are in the same position as the... the uh, people of Israel, when they, they were in the desert and they were hungry, and what happened there? The, the, the manna, yeah? The manna came down from the, from, from the sky and they were eating every day. They needed, they needed that to survive. They, they didn't have manna once a week, it was daily because they needed that nourishment. So it's the same here with Jesus. We need Jesus every single day of our lives, not occasionally every single day to be able to survive is the bread of life. Number five, oops, this is doing two at the same time. We are united. We are united. No, un- uh, united. Um, we are united with Christ, and therefore we are united with each other. Let's go to page 1151. 1151. I'm sure you're enjoying this. Looking for the pages. Um, That's the book of Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 17. It says like that. Because there is one loaf. We who are many, we are one body. For all we all share one loaf. Us being the one body, Jesus being the one loaf. Um, I was, when I was preparing for this Sunday, I was reading one, uh, a commentary, and that was really interesting. What the, the, uh, actually, I wanted to mention it here. He, he was saying, his surname was Lee, I don't remember the, the name, but uh, he was saying that we can see the bread and the wine as the wine as a vertical relationship um, with God, the, the, you know, the new covenant. So the wine is a vertical relationship, and we can see the bread as a horizontal relationship or union. Okay, so I thought that was very interesting. That means that we all Christians, you know that all Christians are united with Christ. We, Christ is in us, we are in Him. Christ is the head, we are the body. That's tremendous, isn't it? And I'm, if I'm united with Christ in that way, and you are united with Christ in that way, that, that means we are united somehow, does it? So, and if we read a little bit before, 
verses 17, 21, we're not going to go through all of that. But Paul was correcting lots of things in this church. You know, things that were not um, totally right. Some practices that they were, they were not okay, a bit dodgy. But, he was, but especially the Lord's Supper, something was, was wrong when they came together to do it. Everyone was, was bringing their own food, or the ones that could. Some, some of them were eating everything, not sharing at all. There was a little bit of separation, selfishness. You know, you, I, I bet we don't... We, that kind of thing doesn't happen ever in these kind of churches. But fights, jealousy. Some of them were getting even drunk. So you think that was a real body? They were united? I don't think so. Paul says to them, look, if you're going to do this, if you're going to come and be together and do all of these things, you better stay at home. You better stay at home because that's, that's not what we do here. Here, we're doing something else. Here, we're doing something else. That's what Paul is saying. We are one body. We. We need to take care you know, of each other. Love each other in the same way Jesus loves us. Love you, Chris. Five things, five things that we need to remember. This is not like a recipe. It's not like the five things that you always need to remember. But five things that you should remember every time we come to the table. It's a sacrifice. We were guilty, yeah, but we benefit beneficiaries. We are dependent and we are united. Let's read, before I finish, let's read verse 27 and 32 again. And uh, chapter 11, Corinthians, the original text. Uh, I just want to, to talk a little bit about the seriousness of this meal. Because it's, it's, it's good to come to, to the table. It's good to think about all of these five things. But there is seriousness. And this is a, this is a big deal. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, verse 27, 32. Let's read it, let's read it together again. So then, whoever, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of this cup, the Lord, in an unworthy manner. What's an unworthy manner? An unworthy manner is like you don't give this the importance that you should be giving to it. You, when John or me or whoever is anchoring here says to you, come, come to the table. And you come to the table and you're actually thinking about the, the, the Bournemouth uh, match. Is he going to, are they going to win? Or, oh, I need to buy the lottery ticket later on because uh, hopefully I'm going to win it. When you go there, you eat it. That's, that's coming to the table in an unworthy manner. You see, we need to be focused, thinking about these things and the benefits, the other benefits. Right, where are we? Uh, we'll be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves. Before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink the cup without discerning the body of Christ, that means, you know, as I said to you, it's giving this the importance, thinking about what really means, thinking about what we're really doing. That is why among some of you, you know, are weak, ill, a number of you falling asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Um, the Apostle Paul is inviting the Corinthians, is inviting us to examine our hearts every time we come to the table. Not to be there sitting thinking, uh, you know, how bad, how bad I am. Because if we do that, you know, we're always going to find something that is bad in there. 
Not to, not to examine ourselves to, to check how good we are, how good we are, and, and, and you know, I'm the best of Jesus' um, kids. is because no one ever is going to be, you know, perfect or good enough. So it's not about that. It's not about examining our, our hearts to, to check on that kind of things. But it's, it's about, you know, coming to the table, examining our hearts and coming to the table with sincere feeling, if I can say that, of repentance, sincere repentance. So we're always going to find something that is not right, but if we, if we come to the table and we acknowledge that it's only through Jesus that everything, every sin can be forgiven, that it's through him that we find all the provisions that we need, okay, that is enough to come to the table. So it's not about, um, you know, what, what I said, just to check how good or bad we are. It's sincere repentance. So some of them were weak, some of them were ill, some of them were dead, but they were disciplined. So let's make this, this clear. I wanted to make this clear as well, that it was the discipline of God. So these guys that were not paying attention, not given the right... Um, you know, value to this, you know, they were disciplined so they couldn't or they, w- um, they wouldn't, you know, be condemned forever and die eternally. Uh, Liam is here listening to my preach today and he's not going to let me lie. It's not like I lie every time I preach, but you get it. Liam is here and every time we go, how are we doing in time? Are we doing okay? Every time we have a meal, you know, I said to them, okay, guys, let's sit down, let's have the meal, but let's enjoy the meal. No, no, no space. When we are at the table, please don't, not, not silliness, not rudeness. Let's just enjoy the meal. Let's have a chat about what's going on um, in our lives. And they know, Liam, this is true, they know that if there is silliness on the table, if there is rudeness on the table, there's going to be discipline. Something is coming. Now, they know that. So with, with the Father, with Jesus, with this, is the same. Okay, we, we come here and we need to focus, give this the importance that they, it needs to, we need to give so we don't call um, discipline to ourselves. <sighs> Nearly there. So let's eat and drink until he comes, again and again until he comes. The Lord's Supper is beautiful. It's so beautiful. Can you see that? It's so beautiful. There's so much in there. But there's something, something else that is even more beautiful and bigger. Okay, this is a beautiful reminder, a wonderful gift, but it's temporary. We're going to stop celebrating this. At what point? Last illustration. Many, many years ago, I was dating a girl. It was you, okay, so... And uh, there was no Skype, there was no um, internet as we know it now. So, I, you know, we rely on MSN, little text and all of that. So I had a photo, I had a photo of Becky. And um, we, once, she, once day she decided to come and he said, enough is enough. One year just sending me these little texts, let's do something. I'm going to go to Honduras and let's date properly, yeah? So I had this photo that I used to look every day. And... Uh, I'm just going to use a connect. Can I have a connector? Uh, let's, let's, use this. let's use this one. So I had this photo, and I was used to, you know, write the message and look at Becky every single morning. 
and thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, looking at Becky. I know you were going to like this. And, uh, and, and it was that one day, that was the day she was coming. She was coming. I, wa- I went to the air- airport. I was so excited. And I was there. I was there walking up and down and waiting for Becky. And, and suddenly, you know, the, she was coming. The photo <laughs> fell from my hand. You can even see that slow motion and all that. And she was, she was there in front of me. She was there in front of me. That beautiful girl, the girl I was in love with. You know, I didn't need that photo anymore. I had, I had the girl in front of me. Can you believe that? I don't know what happened with the photo. Probably some guy in Honduras still <laughs> looking at it. But the, 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 point, the point I want to make is that this is going to happen to us as well. We're going to stop celebrating. We don't need this reminder. We're not going to need this photo. Because one day, we're going to be in front of Jesus. We're going to be... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if you think about this. But it's overwhelming to, you, to think that you're going to be there and be able to hug him. <laughs> I don't know what the protocol in, in, in heaven is. I don't <laughs> I don't know if they're going to allow me to be there hugging him all the time. But we're not going to need this. We're going to be with, with them. Just imagine that. So something better is coming. Something better is coming. Jesus, we're going to be with him. And that's just so good. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we're not there yet. But in the meantime, let's enjoy the bread and wine together. Amen. Let's, let's stand and pray. Lord, we just want to say thank you because uh, you are so wise. You, you, <clears throat> everything you do is, has a purpose, and we just want to thank you for this symbol, this representation of your blood and your body. We want to say thank you because it reminded us about so much uh, of the goodness of, of you. Uh, it reminded us about that sacrifice. It reminded us about how dependent we are on you, how, how much we need you. It reminded us about the closeness we have with you now. Just help us, Lord, to do it um, in, the, in a worthy manner, to, not, to, not in a religious way, but a devoted way. Now, acknowledging, acknowledging that this is good for us and this is something that you created for our good. So, Lord... Just receive our adoration this morning and uh, let us take the bread and wine um, in your name. Amen.